Around the NFL Podcast. Just keeps on honking. <laughs> Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL Broadcast. I'm Dan Hansis. I got heroes here. Mark Sessler, Greg Rosenthal. You know what's going to be funny? Well, not funny, but I guess ironic. When, like three weeks from now, literally everyone in the world has COVID-19 except for Kirk Cousins. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> uh, it's veering in that direction. So I think that's a, you know. And Greg will be, Greg will have, you know, hopefully because you, you're smart, Greg, and you've been double vaxxed and boosted, you will have either mild symptoms or you'll be asymptomatic. But you'll still think to yourself while you're feeling a little under the weather. If I just would have stripped my body nude, <laughs> greased myself up, and got into that glass cube, I'd be 110% mm. right now, baby. Well, am I double vax though? Because I had the J&J, and, J and you know, oh, streets, streets are talking. We should get a vax for free. We should get an extra one just for fun. They should let us, let us have one. I'll get one that, every week. Aren't that's they a little li- life what? lesson They're about taking free, shortcuts. Though. You know? Are they? Are you paying for yours? I don't feel like a lot of money's exchanged hands in the vaccination. Part. Right, but do they allow? I guess uh, no. It's not about the money. I just mean, uh, are you? I don't know if you're allowed to just like keep getting them. I mean, if they let me, I think I'd get one every day. I just feel like a little more alive when it happens. Get a little shot of adrenaline, you know. Is is there something to take out of it though, Greg? <laughs> for you and the rest of the J and J community. Uh, by the way, that company is connected to the New York Jets quite directly, so maybe that was a heads up. Number one, number two. Uh, you know, shortcuts in life. The idea that, that I'll get one shot and I'll be all set instead of uh, getting the two. Well, considering that, you know, Johnson and Johnson on average ended up serving like um, underserved in, in poorer communities and people of color. Um, you know, I think it's unfortunate what's happened. J and J, you know, leaving really good. Out Greg. Drive. Good yeah, answer. Greg. Greg. Greg is checking what all the warrior. boxes today. I mean, it's. The, the it's 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 a pleasure to see Greg. You've, can you you've imagine, checked every possible box. Can you imagine being so sharp to come up with that answer on the fly like that? That was really good, Greg. <laughs> um, by the way, yes, Dalvin Cook, this morning, taping on a Thursday, moved to the COVID nineteen list. I believe the reports out there is that he's unvaccinated, so that means in addition to a far greater health risk that he faces and puts other people around him in danger, um, he is out a minimum of ten days. Uh, also, Taysom Hill uh, is also uh, headed to the COVID list for the New Orleans Saints, which means Ian Book will start on Monday night. Uh, and uh, I don't know about Hill's vaccination status, uh, but uh, he is not playing Monday. And he is vaccinated. He, he is Ian's vaccinated, but, uh, you know, not to make light of the COVID situation, but I don't know how much of a downgrade that is based on how Taysom Hill has been playing. And speaking of COVID, before we get into the games, and I, and all kidding aside, I, I feel like... You know, this is a trust tree. We like to talk and have honest conversations. And this is kind of a very strange moment in um, world history. Like, where are you guys at right now? How do you feel as this Omicron thing is going nuts? Are you feeling a sense of uh, unease or or what? Like, where are you at? I'll start with you, Mark. Um, Yeah, I think it's ominous. Um, It the whole the whole feeling around it kind of brings back the way that I felt a year ago. Um, yeah, I think that there's a lot of like spoken and unspoken anxiety and stuff. Um, but at the same time, I mean, you know, we've gotten vaccinated. So it's like, I'm just going to roll with that and see how it hap- how, it, how it goes. But um, I think from a f- sports angle, from a football angle, uh, I mean, we I, the, I think the fair assumption was that this year would be smoother. 
And over the last, you know, fortnight, um, it's just turned into total chaos. And we're back in that place where every five minutes you're checking Twitter to see what key player is not able to suit up um, in some of the most important games of the year. I, I find that unpleasant and unrewarding. Right. It's it's very annoying from a work perspective. It's easy to keep it in perspective, too, that it's ultimately not like the biggest deal in the world that we're having to adjust like our picks because this guy's out on Friday and I got to send updates. Well, I'm in like, first place in the picks, so that is actually kind of a big deal. But go ahead. Wait, what, you're in for, in what picks? Yeah, in our lock picks. So oh, it's in kind the of, locks. For me yeah, to yeah, like, it's putting me locks. in a really tough situation personally. <laughs> right. But, like, um, uh, try to have some all... of Greg's perspective, please, Dan. Right, that's he's, all... He's really put it in perspective. That's all relative. I guess I, you know, I'm, I am concerned for other people and everything, but I don't know. It doesn't change anything to me because we're vaxxed and boosted, I'm, you know, and I wasn't acting in any way that... I'm not going to be acting in any different way. I wasn't like getting wild and like unmasked. We've been masked indoors in LA the whole time. So to me, absolutely nothing has changed in my mind and like in the way that like me and my family have acted because we were already being safe. You put masks on indoors and otherwise just live your life. And there's, right? there's life. one X factor though. Uh, we have gotten back to normal in some ways. If they were to close schools again, just drop a bomb on my household. Oh, good you, you think about point. The Shining and what happens with uh, Jack Torrance. Um, as that that winter set in, that that's what we're talking about. We're, that's was, the situation. It was giving me about. it was giving me flashbacks today, just as NFL Now was. I did a hit from home started, and I'm just like, "Can you quiet down out there?" You know, it's know. been a while since I've done that. So I have some <laughs> family. My in laws are here, and it's like I'm trying not to be a grumpy guy, but it's hard when everyone's in the holiday spirit and this is NFL is just relentless. And then you have the COVID thing on top of it, making everything so much more complicated. Yeah. I don't know who knows. And you worry about the people that are not vaccinated. And even though you disagree potentially uh, with their stance on how they've handled this, like you don't want them to um, get seriously ill. You worry about the hospitals and all the people working in the medical field who have been so overtaxed uh, for a year and a half now. And then, I mean, the, I guess my the only thing that I try, I tend to be an optimistic person. And I I, I hope may, maybe who knows if we all end up catching this thing, um, maybe that leads somehow to the end of it. We're not scientists, but apparently that's something that's potentially in the cards as well. So I don't know. I hope the listeners are OK and and are staying safe and uh, we'll get through this. We will. All right now no neil reynolds get better neil reynolds this neil this also colleen wolf colleen got, wolf right she was moved to the COVID 19 uh restricted list but she i should report i was texting with colleen this morning and she is feeling much better so she was uh a little you know not feeling great for a couple days there but she is on the mend and was doing christmas presents and wrapping and all that stuff so hopefully uh you know everyone else is uh, in a similar situation if they uh do indeed catch this variant all right let's get to all the games. And by the way, it is with Christmas Eve tomorrow. I have a great gift for both you boys. Gravedigger behind the virtual glass subbing for uh, Ricky Hollywood today uh, and all the listeners. So just stay tuned for that. Ooh. It's going to it's you're going to love it. That's all you I have can my say. attention. A virtual yes. gift. We'll see each other in person tomorrow back in the studio. NFL Network. Check us out. <laughs> the only three people in the entire building. <laughs> all like the producers, cameramen will all be remote except for us with just like little like bugs flying all over the air. Like you can actually hey, ga- see them. Game day views on Friday nights. Check that out too. You know, you can just go wild. Get crazy. <laughs> Greg, you're in grave danger tomorrow. All right. Let's uh let's get to it. 
Week 16 is here. And uh, tonight, Gravedigger with the Quiet Storm, Mark Sessler, will be all over uh, the TNF uh, game between the San Francisco 49ers and Tennessee Titans. I don't want to put too much. Hey, Gravedigger, jump in here. I don't want to put too much pressure on you, but I feel like I feel like your season could go in a dark place uh, if you don't summon up uh, the necessary courage slash playing ability to win this home game in prime time. I don't know why. I just had this weird feeling about this Titans team that this thing could really snowball if they don't stop the bleeding here. Good news, obviously, A.J. Brown looks like he'll be back. Yes, and the the silver lining is it's an NFC game, so while you don't want to lose, you it doesn't really affect the playoff seeding tiebreakers. And then the next two games are Dolphins-Texans, which Dolphins are surging a little bit, but... You know, those should be winnable games for Tennessee. So I don't know. All right. So you don't share the same level of urgency as I do, but I mean, you know the team better than me. So Gravedigger seems pretty chilled out over the whole prospect of this evening. It's going to be an interesting uh, episode. Well, he's, you know, he's got, he's got, feel the excitement. You know, Christmas is here and, you know, depending on what your situation is. And of course, we respect everything about Gravedigger and his personal life, but. Imagine just being in that position, trying to figure out Christmas mm, presents. Like, cool. how do you play that? I don't know. But we don't talk about that. All right. Let's get to the games. Let's. Uh, I was going to say we start with the primetime games typically, uh, but eh, they're not so hot. So let's start with the Christmas games. Start with the Cleveland Browns, Mark. Let's start with the Green Bay Packers. And Cleveland... At Green Bay, the Browns, obviously a, a gut punch of a loss on Monday, as we know, uh, to the Raiders, lost on a last-second field goal. You heard Mark on the Tuesday podcast. We were all very concerned. We all showed up at his house immediately after the game uh, to console him. We put, a, we put a blanket over him. We rubbed his back, and he said he was fine. So we trust him at that. Uh, now here's a chance to shock the world against the Packers. Mark, where are we at with the Browns and the COVID-19 bug, and who will be playing potentially on Saturday that did not play on Monday? Well, I think it's TBD. Uh, you know, Stefanski talked on Thursday and said that they're even going to have like a second plane available for players um, that, you know, test out negative by Saturday to fly to Green Bay, you know, and that would could include Baker Mayfield. Um, J.C. Treader, who has not missed a, a game for them since being signed in 2018, um, tested out and got COVID, so they're, they're already down along the line. Um, I, it's, it, we'll wait and see. I, at this point, the bigger issue, I think, is that Miles Garrett, he had that groin injury um, against, the, against the Raiders, uh, has a 50-50 shot to play. But I think even if he does, mm. you're going to get a reduced version of, of Miles Garrett. That's a Garrett's tricky summer. call because if, yeah. you, if you play him and he's not himself and then he aggreg- aggravates the injury further, then you risk losing him in any capacity for the rest of the season. That's a tough spot on a short week. I think it is. I think he's a huge X factor. I mean, you, you look at... Green Bay's line, like they've gone without David Bakhtiari um, and survived. They've gone without Elton Jenkins and survived. And you've got Yosh Nyman um, playing left tackle. He would be the guy that would have Yoish. to deal with Miles Garrett. So, right. Um, you know, Stefanski said Landry's coming back. Dredgick Wills is back. It's interesting that they pointed out like Landry's back because he's been through the protocols for ten days at this point. That it indicates it's not that easy to you know test back negative with these things like Baker they were hoping would play on Tuesday and here we are on on Thursday he still is anticipated to play I kind of like this matchup for the Browns I told you uh Mark you know starting to feel them 
they're rallying a little fighting spirit here um it's not just because of jok oh thank you so much for saying that right this this rookie linebacker what a guy with his alkaline vegan diet i mean he's leading mark spiritually mentally physically everything this guy's a I winner. like that he's now moved into a joke category for Dan because he doesn't eat like animal parts. Well, that is his that is his initials. J-O-K, I don't judge so. people that live a vegan lifestyle. No, it's fun. No, I, um, that's great. I'm he, happy. He really for him. is a difference maker. But the reason I think they make they're a good matchup. Well, you mentioned Garrett. Hopefully, Garrett plays. That is a huge factor. Um, but the two edge guys, I don't think the opponents have taken advantage enough of the edge. Uh, problems I think that Green Bay's offensive line has had, but it has showed up a little more in the last two weeks. And then more than anything, their run defense has been terrible the last two weeks, giving up huge holes. I mean, it really shows up when you watch these games that guys have like these prairie lands to use a Markism um, of of lanes to run in. They gave up a lot to Baltimore a lot two weeks ago too, and I I think that bodes well for the pack for the Browns being able to shorten this game. I'm not in love with this Browns offense, but I I feel like the Packers defense is taking on like a little bit of water. Maybe they overachieved and maybe the Browns get into this game in a one score game late with Baker with a chance to do something. I mean, there's another reality where Green Bay drops like a 41 to 10 um, nuclear arsenal on a team that's just been through a little bit too much. But with all their guys back, I will say this about the Raiders game. You know, this is this is maybe a little just bit more emotional than it is um, logical. But I came out of that game extremely proud of the Browns. I mean, it was a heartbreaking loss. But to your point, Greg, I thought that they showed as much fight and feistiness as you could have expect from a team in the situation they were in. So I, they, you know, they're 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 still alive in this bizarre AFC North in the bizarre AFC playoff race. And I expect you're going to get that same effort mm. from them. I mean, it, to be a lot healthier will matter. I don't know if they're anywhere close to the level of Green Bay in terms of playing ten times. I give the game eight and a half. Right, times but they're a Green little Bay. more. They're a little more desperate. All right. So with all that optimism, yeah, I think the Packers are going to roll here. I think Rodgers. Uh, is playing so well that with Cleveland being shorthanded, they're just not going to be able to keep up. On defense, they're mm. going to struggle uh, to contain the Green Bay attack. On uh, offense, they're not going to be able to score enough points. Even if the Browns are fully healthy, let's be completely honest here. It's not has not been a good offense this year, and I just I, that's where I kind of see this game coming down to like a you know thirty to seventeen type thing. Um, that's why it's not even in the lock zone for our game here. Rodgers has 13 touchdown passes, no no inter- interceptions in his last four games. And listen to this stat. Remember, remember that was my uh, let me fix this. My favorite uh, or my most proud um, sandwich conquest was predicting Rodgers as MVP last year. But remember before that season took off, where he was just good but not great statistically at the very least since the start of 2020. Rodgers has 78 touchdown passes and nine interceptions. <laughs> That's Whoa. what he's done since last <laughs> September. Uh, and yeah. Oh, by That's the way, ridiculous. he's not, he's not a spring chicken. So, you know, just like nobody's at Tom Brady's level because, you know, obviously he's already 44 and is continuing to play like an MVP, but Rodgers really has taken his game to a um, mm. higher level or at least kind of gotten back to that peak 2011 version of himself. And that is still kind of, a lot of fun to watch. And that's why I don't agree with Aaron Rodgers off the field, just like a lot of other people do, but I still look forward to watching him play football every Sunday. I don't know if you saw the weather report though, Dan. Oh, I did not. Because 
There's a 25% oh, oh. chance of snow, but a 100% chance of rain. The Browns are covering this seven and a half points. I love Cleveland in this game. I'm assuming Baker starts as long as he does. The rainmakers coming. A little precipitation early. Three and zero last week, by the way. So even if I get an L here, that's three and one, and you know you're still stuck in those. And we didn't, we didn't hear stockings. from any, we didn't hear from any shadowy league figures. Uh, figures. So I'm going to continue <laughs> to let the listeners know until I do. You want to pay for braces. You want to pay for car payments. You want to pay for Christmas. Uh, Greg's results speak for themselves. Yep. Yeah, I mean, they did. They did last week. I kind of want to retire off three and zero, but I really do think the you Browns have a, have a chance to win this game outright. And I don't like what I see out of this Packers. I think it's it a up? one score game. I'm not locking it up, but I'm covering right. that seven and a half. Rainmaking is more important. All right, so Santa maybe delivers a present to you if you get behind the rainmaker, people. The other uh, Christmas uh, game is a beauty. Christmas night, Indianapolis Colts at Arizona Cardinals. Mark, I want to tee you up at the start on this one because the Colts are playing, um, obviously, a very, very high brand of football right now. Jonathan Taylor is the best running back in the league in 2021. Um, the defense, the offensive line, these are all things that are getting it done. Carson Wentz, huh? depends what day you get him, what part of the game you get him, but he's still... Um, he's led this offense and here they are making a charge for the playoffs and maybe even the AFC South. And here are the Cardinals in their building where they haven't played very well this season. They've lost three straight at State Farm, State, State Farm Stadium, missing DeAndre Hopkins for the year, obviously, or at least until deep in the playoffs should they get that far. And also perhaps, Mark, a little bit of a crisis in confidence based on back-to-back poor outings by the team, including a loss to the Detroit Lions. Do you think the Cardinals as a team are a really good team about to bounce back against another fellow contender or the slide gets deeper and uh, it's a uh, panic button time in the desert? You know, I came out of the Rams loss, um, still very confident in the Cardinals. I, I feel a little differently after um, what happened to the li- with the Lions because I think the DeAndre Hopkins loss is tangible. Um, it has affected their offense. They seem completely out of sorts in that Detroit game. And I don't like the fact that they got ran over um, by Craig Reynolds. I mean, their run defense and their defense in general has been spottier of late. Um, so it's a, it is another you know scenario where it's Jonathan Taylor versus the world. And you know, you're, I think at one point we're going to get one of these Carson Wentz games that cost this team in a big spot. Um, but they worked around it last week to the best they could. And I, I will say this for Arizona. Um, everything that we think about them will be defined by this game. I think the Colts um, seem to answer a lot of questions about teams in general. The way they thumped the Bills changed the mm. way I thought about Buffalo. I mean, what they did to New England, that changed everything I thought about New England to some degree, lesser degree than this. But if they go in and take care of Arizona, um, I think the Cardinals at that point are in crisis mode. But I feel confident enough that Arizona, one Whoa. of my last surviving pet teams... We'll take this game on Christmas what? night, and it doesn't yes. matter what mood I'm in about the Browns game. The Cardinals will lift me out of what might be a dark spot. <laughs> oh, They're going to no. win this game. I'm locking up Arizona, oh. baby. Oh, my God. I'll tell you something. If I'm going to win this lock thing, I'm going to do it with nobility by picking oh, wait things Wait a second. Well, I don't easy. like the insinuation that the other person competing would. Not at but... all. But I'm not trying to – you know what? When you're down a spot, this would be a week where you go pick an easy – 
get back in the race thing. This is risky. We'll see what happens. I love it. I think you've been bold the last few weeks. It hasn't worked out, but that doesn't mean that <laughs> uh, it's not commendable. Uh, I'll say this. It is Christmas. It is the family day of the year. And if you have a Browns game that goes sideways and it rolls into a massive lock week for Mark Sessler and that goes sideways, like what's left for the homestead at that point other than rage? Nothing. Nothing. Yeah, I, I don't like that that setup at all. Like, let, let's say the Browns win and everything's great. And then like the Cardinals could lose it. I mean, it's it's putting your chips in the middle of the Christmas table. Uh, it is putting a lot on the line on Christmas. But I don't love the matchup that much. Just be, well, I don't love the matchup for the for anyone playing the Colts just because they're a really good team. And, and I almost think about locks is like you're picking against teams in the Cardinals run defense. You mentioned they're 27th in the league in yards per carry allowed. And it's weird because if you look at kind of the analytics and the, the numbers and when you watch them, you don't feel that. And it's because they've given up a lot of big plays. They've actually been pretty good against the run, like consistency, but people pop some big, big plays off them. Well, that, that might be a problem with Jonathan Taylor and, and the Colts. And I thought they were going to get um, positive news, you know, for Arizona because Quentin Nelson was out of practice initially that thought he might have COVID because it was an illness, but he is back. Um, Ryan Kelly, uh, who tragically lost um, a child this week, might be out for them again. They're, they're Pro Bowl center. So that, that would be a negative for, for the Colts. But in general, I think their strengths, Indianapolis, match up pretty well. You need, you need Van Joseph, I think, to have a game where, where he cooks up Wentz and that, that's kind of their recipe. Yeah, this is... Oh, go ahead, Dan. No, I was just going to say this is because you did pick against the Colts. You locked up against the Colts last week also. Um, and the Patriots uh, went down in that game. And I just, when you look at the pa- the Colts, where they're at, they're eight and six. They've won eight of 11 games after starting the season 0 and 3. Um, they just seem to have, if you believe in momentum as a thing, it seems they have it all. And if they ever did get past the Cardinals here, and I think I, I'll, I'll pick the Colts. I won't lock up the Colts, but I pick them to win this game. They have Vegas, which I don't care what anybody says about Vegas. That team will not be playing in the, uh, the postseason, and they're uh, an easy victory at home, in my opinion. And then at Jacksonville to close the season. So, like, I find it more likely that this team is going to go from 0-3 to 11-6 and uh, than the Cardinals uh, get things right. I, I just feel like the, this, there's a lot of things look working in the favor of the road team here. I would also notice that Rondale Moore, it sounds like a game time decision as well. And at that point, you're starting to... And so is Rodney Hudson, who to me feels like sometimes the key. He's on the COVID list. They're not sure if he'll test out. And that was what struck me in that game was their protection was not set at all. They did not know where free rushers were coming from. Kyler Murray was confused. Hudson makes all the protection calls. The Colts are not a heavy blitz defense at all, but still, that's that's now, like one of their most valuable players. I don't like this pick for you, Mark. Here's, here's the, the biggest thing in your season, favor, though, Mark. Is us talking all week about what we all feel. I, I'm with you. I don't like the well, you're against, either. You're kind of fading the public, which is a smart, right. which is generally smart. Everyone's on the Colts this. And here's another thing working in your favor, Mark. Carson Wentz is still potentially a liability there. If you watch that game on Saturday night, you saw the way Frank Reich, he, cl- he clenched his butt. Uh, after that interception and never gave his quarterback another chance to make a play. Here's a stat from the research notes. Carson Wentz is 6-18 and against opponents with a winning record since 2018. So if the Cardinals come to play and they're playing uh, in a passionate manner and the defense can summon up some level of playmaking ability, which has been noticeably absent uh, in recent weeks, I could see Wentz playing poorly on the road here. So I, I think it's, you know, it's a coin flip game. Uh, it'll be fun to watch, though. All right. Mark, wow. All right. 
You want to hit the Sunday night and Monday night games before the draft or after? I think before. Let's do it now. All right. The Washington football team at Dallas Cowboys. I don't know. You know, how's Washington playing on primetime this time of year? Um, They're a team that hypothetically still in the mix here uh, because their record. uh, But at the same time, um, well, you know what? That's maybe not fair because who could take anything out of that Monday night game against the Eagles? You give credit to uh, Gilbert Gottfried and the offense for hanging around. They took advantage of some early turnovers, uh, but they were so, so missing so many guys that it's like, all right, you lost, but I can't really ding you too much for it. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys, you think they win this game, Greg, right? Because of their defense more than anything, they should be able to have their way with Washington's limited attack. They should, because even if Tyler Heineke is back and he is expected to test out, and I think he's been activated, so he, he's going to play in this game. He has. Um, Antonio Gibson is now fighting a turf toe injury. He had been playing much better, I thought, over the last month, finally looking like himself, looking explosive. Then he gets hurt again, and the way Rivera was talking about it, I, I'd be a little surprised if he plays in this game. Curtis Samuel's banged up as usual, and, you know, it's like, Hmm, like we, we just got to go back all the like in our minds to kind of figure out what could happen here. Oh, wait, this team played two weeks ago. We just locked up this game, Dan, me and you. Remember that? It was yes. 17 nothing Cowboys within two minutes, and it was because the, the Washington offensive line had just no chance against this Dallas group. And to dominate Washington again that much uh, will be difficult. But it should happen again. Like, I don't know if I, I don't feel that comfortable with Dallas, like covering 10 and a half necessarily just the way their offense is played. And I think this is Washington season. They are they are officially done. So and they've been, you know, at least a little feisty. Maybe they keep it close, but there's no there's just like no reason. The talent disparity is so great here. Well, it would be it would be a, a terrible narrative for Dallas to fall here because the way the defense has been playing should end this game right away. They've had four takeaways in three straight games. One of those came against Washington, to your note, to your point. And, I mean, we, I, I do believe that, you know, the Dallas offense at some point, um, which has not been as disastrous as advertised, but, I mean, last game they had two drives for longer than 45 yards. They had no big plays. I mean, is it going to come back at some point? Would this be a good spot for it? Because, you know, Washington, even though they've been, they've been a little bit better on defense, they're still missing guys all over the place. And they lost William get- Jackson and Landon right. Collins in that game on Tuesday. So if they like, those are two of their very best players. I know they got Jonathan Allen who made the Pro Bowl back, but it's it's rough. The Cowboys, by the way, have a pretty re- like legitimate chance to get the one seed here. I mean, they're they're at two, which I think has slipped under the radar, and they just well, they need that. a little help. I they might that. have, and if you look at their schedule, they there's they're going to be heavily favored in each of these games. I, them as a one seed is fraudulent to me. I'll accept them anywhere else. Well, we're not, three weeks away. One. Might not happen. Probably won't happen. Yeah, I, I, I don't think their offense has been bad, but it's just not special. And um, we'll, it, it remains to be seen. It was, whether it was bad, bad last that. week. I mean, that was one of the worst games they've had in a long, long time. They were given short fields like four times, and, and they scored 21 points on the Giants. It's pathetic. Yeah, and I, am I buying that? as good as the defense has been and really a lot of that um, is connected as well to turnovers which are very fickle about how that stuff goes turnovers is uh, luck uh, as much as it is ability in a lot of ways Uh, they're going to need to wake up and they have not yet and it's time to do it but they probably can coast another week on their defense against Washington Uh, finally Monday Night Football uh, before we get to the draft 
the Miami Dolphins on a six-game winning streak head to the Superdome to face the Saints. As we said at the top of the show, Taysom Hill is in the COVID on the COVID-19 restricted list, and he will not be playing. So it will be Ian Book, a, I believe, fourth-round pick. Uh, is he a rookie or a second-year player? He, he is a rookie. Rounder. So he's a rookie, and, fourth And I think reporters pick. were kind of careful. Like, that's the plan now. But he was in the same room as, like, Taysom Hill and Trevor Simeon. Who so, got like, COVID. Aaron Brooks could be the quarterback. We could we could have yeah. a situation. Yeah, it's like the Celtics brought out Joe Johnson. The NBA's right. having some wild stuff where they're just, like, bringing back old-timers to play. Cause who so would be your favorite, like, 2000s guy to, like, show up out of nowhere in the NFL oh, I, in a I similar situation? <laughs> I'd love to see Vinny Testaverde come in and uh, <laughs> operate for the Saints. <laughs> I'd be down for Aaron that. Brooks would be fun. I think that would be fun. Uh, it's a couple of days after Christmas. Everyone gets loose, goes watch Aaron Brooks. You know, the door could be open, Greggy. Uh, did he have his fight yet? Frank Gore could be waiting by that phone. Did he have his, his bout? Oh, you didn't see the – he became a meme, unfortunately. Oh, we're not, no. Uh, right. t- we're not talking about that. He it didn't did get knocked well. out, um, but it, he, he got beaten. Uh, we kind of predicted that. We're not big MMA heads around here, but – there's a lot of uh, it was boxing. It was boxing, right? That was boxing. There's a lot of uh, I don't know. Put a context clues that that wasn't going to go old Frank's way. <laughs> there is one. Just Google it now or after, or maybe even Justin can bring up the photo. But it's a it's a pretty classic picture of of him looking terrified as as he's about to get punched in the face. So. Oh, Ian man. Book, by the way, last <laughs> year with Notre Dame, over twelve games. Through 15 touchdowns. I mean, he is an unimpressive arm. Uh, I, but I'll Ouch. say something. Um, Tape study, Sessler. I mean, I, I did a little bit of looking into him. I mean, he's a, a bit of a mystery, right? I mean, but this is a Sean Payton game where I just trust Sean Payton to do something that makes this uh, a little spicier than people expect. I see all sorts of people just giving this game to Miami. Um, that said, 9 nothing. A week ago, they scored nine points on offense. <laughs> Wait a second. Hey, hold everything. that thought one second, Mark. Uh, Gravedigger just pulled up the Frank Gore. That's that's not the meme, though. It's not the he, meme, but it's no, a no. It, it's pretty painful, it looks like. Uh, yeah, keep looking for that meme. Go ahead, Mark. No, I'm good. <laughs> this will really translate well on, on audio. I um, I picked the Saints, you know, on my game picks, NFL.com slash game picks, until the book news. I really thought their defense could put the clamps down on this RPO Dolphins offense, which is station to station, and they'd find just enough offense. We we also don't know if Teron Armstead or Ramchick. I talk about this every week, but they're pro yes, bowlers <laughs> at tackle. I mean, it's so massive, and yet like we never know on Thursday whether they're going to play or not. And it's been unpredictable because they've been a little in and out. Ramchick's been out a while now, but that's massive. If it's Ian Book with two backup tackles and the worst group of uh, receiving receivers in the NFL, that feels. That feels impossible unless Tua and the Dolphins like just make enough mistakes. I don't know if like Flores and and Josh Boyer and the four different offensive coordinators told Tua to be more aggressive after the bye week, but that was a different Tua against the Jets, and it was not a good different. It was good different that he was way more aggressive running the ball, and like I've been waiting for that, and that was great. And he had that angry run; he won that the scepter from Kyle Brandt. He's flexing on the Jets, and he definitely took off. Like I like to see that more. But he was way more aggressive throwing the ball, and it was his worst, one of his worst games of his career. It, it was not a good idea for him to be more aggressive. I was like, okay, go back to the five-yard throws. He Well, he was terrible in the first quarter. He, he threw an interception that could have picked up, been picked off a couple more times. He fumbled, right. fell on their ball. 
and then got things calmed down and looked like Tua again. And then he threw a pick six to let the Jets tie the game late. But otherwise, uh, yeah, it was a down game for him. But, you know, this this Dolphins winning streak has been on my radar. So I reached out to the L.A. researchers here, the, uh, the NFL media research group. They do such a good job. And um, I said, how, you know, fortuitous has this winning streak been? Uh, for the Dolphins in, in terms of what their competition has been uh, during the streak. And uh, according to our buddy from that team, Adrian Hassenmeyer, uh currently the Dolphins 310 strength of schedule over their six game winning streak is the NFL's fifth lowest strength of schedule over a six game win streak in the last 20 seasons. So going back to 2002, and so just I, I couldn't help but chuckle when I saw that Ian Book would be starting against the Dolphins this week on a, a very short reps and in the middle of a pandemic scenario. So, right. yes, I will be locking up uh, the Miami Dolphins to continue oh, to take care of business here. And really, okay. if you can give the Dolphins anything, give them uh, that they take care of business. So I know Dolphins fans are a little annoyed that I'm not – giving them enough love during this winning streak. But it, there is something to be said for a team that wins every week. They're supposed to win, and they'll do it again. I mean, listen to the quarterbacks they played. Tyrod, then Lamar, okay. Uh, then Joe Flacco, Cam Newton's first start back, uh, Mike Glennon, Zach Wilson, and now Ian Book. I mean, that's, that's kind of, it is kind of ridiculous. All right. Here's the, here's the meme. <laughs> oh, oh, the, oh, no, Greg. Here's the meme. Greg, he didn't need to do this. That's what you know, hurts. He didn't need to do it. I mean, he, he got looks paid. terrified. He got paid. He made it to the end of the fight. Oh, one, he played 100 years in the NFL. He didn't need the paycheck. Did one he? judge actually scored it for him, which seems like you. it was very strange, um, <laughs> but ultimately he lost. All right, let's pause right here and take a break. We'll be right back. All right, let's get to the draft. Uh, Greg, you have the first pick uh, this week. Do I? Yes, you do. As we discussed over test. I know. I was asking Dan if he was taking my pick. You know, I was giving him a chance here. I thought, you know, I'm no, the I want to wait until it's time to rip out your heart and hold it okay. in front of you. I'll take I'll take Bill's Patriots. I want to watch that game live. I don't know at all what to think about this game. I guess I'm still stuck on like things I thought coming into the season about this Bills team. Like it still does feel weird that the Patriots are favored to sweep the Bills. I saw a stat which blew my mind that the last 15 Bills wins have been by double digits. Which 15? Is, wow. Which is just freaking outrageous. But that's a sign of like a good team. It's also a sign either of an unlucky team that they can't win a close game. They're 0-5 this year in one-score games. Or or poor game management, poor late-game uh, situational football, which is what Bill Belichick does best. I do think Belichick often gets touted as like he's going to take away your strength but i i think of the patriots more as like they're good at attacking weaknesses that that's what they do and to me the weakness is this bill's offensive line in their losses that's who's come up short didn't look good last week against carolina i thought their offense um did not show a lot especially in terms of their pass protection and i do think that's where the patriots can win is winning up front their defensive line, Judon, Barmore, and stopping the run and stopping Josh Allen, who I think will end up running a lot more with design runs in this game. I think that's that's a huge key is that New England does a good job against you know mobile running quarterbacks. I think they'll do that again here. Um, you know, as for the Bills, their last three wins are against the Jets, the Saints, and the Panthers. 
their losses were against the Colts, Patriots, and Bucks. I, I know that people are having a tough time um, adjusting to to the Bills not being the AFC's top superpower. I, I guess I just don't see them that way because the way they matched up so poorly against um, Indianapolis. And I know we, you know, we can. I, I value that Monday night game to some degree um, more than than I think that Greg does or others who wanted to throw that result out. Um, I thought the Patriots just showed their might and their will. And if anything, you can say, look at Buffalo that has no Tredavious White, um, is not the same against the pass. They, you know, they have a ton of tape on New England, but there hasn't really been a case where this year's Patriots have shown the Bills in person what they can do through the air. I think that's an, a nice element of surprise to some degree, but I just don't like the way that the Bills match up against New England in general. If we get, you know, some similar looks to what we did in that last game. I want to see a couple of things. I want to see who's running the ball for the Patriots. Um, Stevenson, who who flopped uh, in a start last week against the Colts, he's had an illness. Um, so I don't know if he was back on the practice field on Thursday. He was. Uh, Damian Harris has been there though. So Damian Harris, like he's he's been limited in practice, and and he hurt that hamstring against the Bills. Had a bye week and then missed another week. So you know we'll see if they have one or both of those guys in the lineup because I think obviously what we saw Monday night uh, in that win was the Patriots imposing their will through the running game. And they're going to need their guys to, to make that happen. My other thought about the game is, yeah, I think that the bills need to prove something, not just to um, skeptics at this point, but to themselves that they are the best team in the, this division, that they're better than the Patriots. Cause I think that it's pretty much, neck and neck about you could you could go one side or the other what's a better team they're obviously very close um just like so many of these afc teams at the top here are really close to each other um but i wonder if there's a mental component that the bills have to get over here because you could you could tell how frustrating uh that loss was against new england in those terrible conditions for them and the post game interviews those guys felt like they um were being dismissed and had been, you know, vanquished by a genius coach and a team that they'll never be better than. So that can go one of two ways. They can take all that frustration and unleash it on the Patriots, or they could be like so many other Patriots opponents over the years that they kind of lose the head game before the actual game even starts. So I don't have a lot of confidence necessarily that the Bills can win, but I certainly wouldn't be surprised if they did either because they have the ability to do it. And the Patriots, as good a story they are this year, I don't think there's some, they're head and shoulders above anybody talent level wise. So it can't be a surprise when they lose like they did last Saturday. No, they were extremely sloppy last week and their line play for the most part was poor. So it shows they can get pushed around. Buffalo is probably not the team that's going to win that way. But I do think it's worth something that the, these, these bills have won a lot of big games. They've been in situations like this, including, you know, beating the Patriots last year. I know it wasn't the same Patriots team, but they've, they've won important games. They won a playoff game, all that stuff. This Patriots team is doing everything for the first time and they're doing it without their two best wide receivers. I mean, to me, that's like a huge story. No Kendrick Bourne and no Nelson Aguilar to me can, can make them a lot more well one dimensional than they would expect. And we don't know officially that they're both out, but Aguilar, uh, is in the concussion protocol. Born, I mean, Born's in the concussion protocol. Aguilar got hurt and hasn't been practicing. Cole Beasley is out for the Bills. 
but I don't think that evens it out because the Bills, to me, are a passing team. They're going to pass. They have passing weapons. When you take those two guys out, it's basically Henry, Jacoby Myers, who's coming off one of the worst games of his career, was a big reason why they lost that game a week ago. He should bounce back, but they, they just don't have a lot of weapons, and it just, it again, it just makes it closer. I'm with you, Dan. Nothing would surprise me in this game. I, I took the Patriots, but I think it's a coin flip. I would argue the Bills have not won a big game since they beat the Chiefs on October 10th. And we can talk about the Patriots being sloppy last week. That had a lot to do with the Colts. I think sure, that... but what, what, who have the, what are the Patriots, you know, big wins, I guess, like under I mean, Mac Jones? The Patriots Jones. have been transformed, you know, as the season's gone along. They came into the year with a rookie quarterback, not an MVP candidate. I'm just saying, like, who, who have they – they're similar to me in that when they've played the best teams – you know, they haven't always played their best. I know they beat the a very diminished Titans team at the time, um, but it's, it's not like the Patriots have stood up. What the Patriots have done well this year is when they play really good teams, they have close losses, which I, is pretty I totally you know. disagree. I mean, beating the Bills was a big, a big win. Right. They whipped, they destroyed the Cleveland Browns and basically changed everything that we thought about the Cleveland Browns. They beat the Chargers, a team we're all obsessed with. I mean, they mowed these teams down and aren't allowing a lot of points. That sloppy affair from a week ago, stands out as a rarity for them. They haven't been sloppy. They've been meticulous. Yeah, so who do you I'm have, putting Mark? Too much. I'm putting too much. <laughs> I have the Patriots. I'm putting too much. I'm, I'm, exhausted with this, I'm exhausted with this Bills thing where it's like every time they lose, it's like, well, next week we'll find out if we really believe in them. And every time the Patriots win, it's like, well, what they do next week, then we'll fight. It's like, go stomp Buffalo and end this conversation now. Well, they will. They win the division if they win and, and get a Dolphins loss on uh, Monday night. But essentially, they win the division here uh, with a victory. But if, if the Bills win, the Bills have a real good chance to go win this division. The tiebreakers oh, yeah. could end up going their way if they end up winning out. So this is Falcons the, and that Jets first game at that home didn't, to close it. Yeah, didn't decide that much. The Bills could go do this thing. And Mark, I did say uh, last week that I would open Sunday show with an apology to you if they beat the Colts on Saturday night. So I know, but that now we're using that as a way to discredit everything that they've done. And I, I simply, don't who's agree. discrediting them. I'm not, I don't know. That might have, no. I, mean, I might've fashioned a bit of a straw man right there, but I'm I think, I think once in a while. to me, I think these two teams are like both top 10 teams in the NFL. It just, it shouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me too much if they end up splitting that. That's all. All right. Let's move on to the, uh, second pick, I will take the Los Angeles Rams at Minnesota Vikings. Turns out that the only way the Vikings could play a boring ass game is if the Bears are involved. And that really, in retrospect, makes sense. Uh, that is the optimistic way to look at it. The pessimistic way to look at this is that the Vikings have peaked and now the Vikings do not have Dalvin Cook. Uh, in a huge game in their season against the Rams. The Vikings have a quarterback in Kirk Cousins who has not played well at all for several weeks, and especially the last two weeks where he's been outright bad. I mean, the fact that he threw for 80-something yards against that Chicago defense in that and its uh, compromised state really spoke to me. And then he pops up on the injury report. And Kirk Cousins never misses games, uh, so I don't expect him to... Uh, be out of this game. And again, I've already stated he, he's the only person who's not going to get Omicron. Uh, but he uh, is a major question mark. And he is the guy uh, that really uh, scares me if I'm, if, I, if I'm rooting for the Vikings to get to the playoffs. So now you have that situation with Minnesota and a Rams team that, yeah, 
they should be feeling good about themselves. Now they took care of business under weird circumstances uh, on Monday. They ended a rival season, which is always fun. They took it to the Cardinals the week before. So they have a real chance to make their own play for the NFC West and the top seed. Uh, Big game here. Doesn't this feel the perfect way for the Zimmer Kirk era to be reaching like it's you know, season four conclusion? Like it's basically a repeat of, of every season that it, it just as we're getting to the playoffs, it's no longer an offensive team. It feels like a defensive team. I mean, I think their defense presents a lot of problems. I think it's a great test actually for the Rams offensive line, which we saw get worked. We didn't talk about that really with Gonzo uh, or in that recap, their offensive line struggled in that game, and Zimmer puts a lot of things in front of you coverage-wise uh, that will test the quarterback like Stafford. So I, I think it's a nice test for the Rams' offense. But the fact that Kirk is now struggling as we're hitting the home stretch and the defense is playing better, I just feel like this is how every Viking season feels like it ends. I, you know, of course, remember that game when that we watched with with your dad. Uh, Dan in in the garage and they're struggling against the Packers and I, I'm looking for the fireworks but I it wouldn't surprise me if Kirk put up 30 in this game either I would expect the Rams to keep rolling I think that we are post Vikings at this point to a degree um, it's not well I just I, I I still think I mean there's all these teams are sort of the same at this point but the Vikings like the juice feels gone to some degree where the Rams I think are rounding into shape um, this is a game that you know they just simply go take I think if you can get Justin Jefferson if you, I know that Jalen Ramsey probably wouldn't naturally be on Jefferson a ton because he plays more in the slot. But if you can find a way to just remove Justin Jefferson to some degree here, um, no Dalvin Cook. I like Alexander Madison a lot, but I mean, he's, he himself is coming off of a COVID situation. It's a depleted offense at that point. I mean, that, the, I think Thielen that, might be back, it sounds like, which would that'd be, a be very helpful. Boost. But I, I Did just, anybody I, see Adam Thielen during his pregame workout, the br- very brief pregame workout before Monday night? No. He couldn't. He could no. barely walk without a limp, let alone cut. So mm. I'm not saying you know the miracles of modern medicine and a guy that's an elite athlete won't change things in six days or whatever. But I wouldn't be totally stunned if, if he's missing again. We'll see. Mm. The Vikings could probably survive a loss at seven and seven. A nine and eighteen could sneak in, uh, but then then they're counting on tie breaks. They're counting on everything going crazy. And the way the Eagles are playing now there is a chance the Eagles finish strong here and, and, and you actually do need to get to 10 wins. So each one of these games is so big. And you know, we didn't mention with the Cardinals, the NFC West is up for grabs now. It is a, it is tied. And if the Rams go into Sunday, you know, knowing the Cardinals result, they might know that they could have first place to their lonesome with two weeks to play. All right, let's uh, keep uh, moving on. Mark, it uh, heads to you, the draft. Uh, it is notable that I'm looking at our options of games here, that the good games are, um, they're going away quick. There's no, if this were a real draft, like there's a talent drop off, but I'm going to go um, <laughs> Pittsburgh at Kansas City in the late spot. Um, there's a lot going on with this one, obviously, because we've got Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill on the COVID list. Um, and I, at this point with the way these things go, I just assume that they're not playing. And those aren't the only guys. I mean, that's the headliners, but they've got a bunch of guys Butker. on the COVID list. Harrison Butker, who is not vaccinated, is out. I mean, that matters in a game like this. Um, is this where Pittsburgh, though, in a normal scenario, would be totally unmasked as a fraud? Um, in the way this thing work, is working with COVID, though, this feels like a sneaky like situation where Pittsburgh's season continues to uh, remain 
alive or undead, as we've called it in the past at this point. Um, here's the thing. I wonder if Kansas City says, we're going to try to do what other teams have done. Um, TJ Watt, all the rest of it. The Steelers have given up 443 yards on the ground in the last two weeks, and they stunk stopping the run the previous bunch of weeks as well. So I think there's a real weakness there if Kansas City can take advantage of it. I'm not sure that's going to happen. It feels like Patrick Mahomes, if all these guys are out, it's a one-man band scenario where you're hoping this defense basically mm -hmm. neutralizes um, a bad Steelers offense. That's how, I mean, you just win a low-scoring game. We don't need a Steelers-Chiefs matchup where Kelsey and Hill aren't playing. Can you, I mean, can you spare us it's football gods? Annoying. It's can annoying. we please, I mean, the Steelers are a very annoying team uh, because they are hanging around, but offer very little in terms of entertainment value. I think even Steelers fans would tell you that uh, for oh. the most part uh, outside the occasion, occasional Deontay Johnson and uh, TJ Watt, big time play. Uh, the, and I want to see the chiefs be able to, build on this momentum that they've been building on offense. If you take those two guys out of it, you could be looking at a Tom Brady on Sunday night football type vibe for Patrick Mahomes as great as he is. Right. I was surprised. Uh, like the line didn't move that much. It went from like nine and a half to seven and a half for this game. Chiefs being favored and this chief's offense. I guess I'm still not sold that it's all the way back because they, had a great final three drives against the Chargers. Even for that game, they they did what they've done every game, which is a great opening drive touchdown and then get stuck in mud for about two and a half quarters. And it's like, it, players matter. Travis Kelsey and Tyree Keller are just not replaceable. Mark said it. Like, this is a game, if ever Andy Reid's like, well, let's just try out that running game we kept honking about all offseason where it looks like these offensive linemen with Tooney and Creed Humphrey could be an all-pro as a rookie and Orlando Brown who's so great run blocking. Like, they have the tools. They have the running back, too, to be a great zone run blocking scheme, and this would be the game to go really heavy at it. And you like you said it, Mark, that Steelers stink in terms of stopping the run. So will Andy Reid finally do it? Like, I feel like if ever there was a game for him to actually do that, this is it. Go get a nice, like, 10, 12, not too flashy uh, victory. But if, if they're asking Mahomes to go, like, win throwing routes to Demarcus Robinson and Pringle and stuff, I, I don't know. You could just – this Steelers team, there's something about this Steelers yep. team, this Tomlin group. I don't know. Yep. Eight, eight, and one. It's still in play, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Dreams. It's snakes to you, buddy. It's snakes to me. Um, I'm going to go Tampa Bay at Carolina. I want to see how the Bucs um, respond to what happened against the Saints, but also a Bucs offense that, you know, I feel like the whole year for them, I know they were banged up on defense a bunch, um, but they relatively on offense had their guys the whole way. And now, you know, Mike Evans is a question mark. Uh, we know that Chris Godwin is out. Uh, Leonard Fournette. Um, who's been better than his name all year long for them is out. I thought Ronald Jones ran pretty well last week when he came in, and they've talked about him just being the lead dog at this point. That's what Byron Leftwich said. So how do you uh, how do you operate? They do get Antonio Brown back, um, and Antonio Brashad Perriman may play as well. I think that matters a lot because if you look at the rest of their cast of wideouts, um, it's depressing, and I, I it, it just seems like it could be coming at the worst possible time for the Bucs to be missing, especially Godwin, who Tom Brady just, like, I can tell, you can tell when Tom Brady doesn't like wide receivers, and you can tell when he loves them, and he really loves Chris Godwin. So I wonder, is Carolina flip side, I mean, there, this is how weird things have gotten. Cam Newton is going to start and play the majority of the game, but Matt Rule, who 
come back to me, Matt Rule, is saying that Sam Darnold's going to be dipped into the game to be used as well. I mean, what this is the NFL. What are we doing here? <laughs> we have to, we're going to hit that uh, Panther side of things in a second, but we have some developing news here to report. This just came across the uh, NFL email that the Buccaneers have placed two players on injured reserve. One is Leonard Fournette, and he's already obviously injured uh, with the hamstring, so he's not playing. But also, linebacker Levante David has head to, headed to the COVID-19 list, uh, so that uh, potentially removes another very important player to Tampa Bay. Yeah, I don't, I don't think this is going to be so easy for the Bucs. This week will be easy enough, but just in general, operating a 30 points per game offense, they're going to need their defense to be better and, and help carry this team more. It's hard. It's easier to game plan for with Scotty Miller and all these guys with a week to do it. It's very tough when you lose, you know, Evans and Godwin and Fournette in the middle of the freaking game. But it's still not easy. Like <laughs> players matter. Like Godwin's an All Pro type guy. So is so is Evans. He's not playing this week. There's a big drop off at running back. It's a division game that they should dominate defensively. The but. I, I don't know. Like I I do think the the assumption that they're just gonna like keep rolling as the Bucks w- with these guys not on the field is is like. Well, one we already I'm have the evidence. We already saw it on yeah, Sunday night. To, what could happen? Yeah. Their their right. worst case scenario is that you put a defense that can play against them, and maybe that's not Carolina, but they also you know they have some pieces. They've had stretches this year, and the Bucks can really struggle just like any other team. Like I I brought it up on the power ranking show with Monday money this week. Like. Tom Brady on Sunday night didn't look so different than what Ryan Tannehill Tannehill's looked like for weeks. And that's not saying that Ryan Tannehill is even close to Tom Brady's category, but it's like, it's just the way it is in football. If you start peeling back layers of supporting cast, it's not just that those guys are gone. You're putting guys that are not experienced in being the, in these different roles right into the lineup in big spots. Like we were watching it, um, Greg, who is their, uh, Former third round running back, uh, Kashan Vaughn. Kashan right. Vaughn. I mean, we were watching him fairly closely after he went in for Fournette, and that guy couldn't play. And it's just like maybe Ronald Jones comes in and, and fulfills his potential. Maybe Gronk shakes off a bad game. Maybe Antonio Brown comes off the shelf after 10 weeks and is immediately a playmaker again. But there's also a chance this is going to put them in a situation where, yeah, they still make the playoffs, but they kind of go into the postseason limping and maybe not in the postseason position that they thought they could be in at the beginning of the month. Yeah, as long as they get Evans and Fournette back, you know, by the playoffs or hopefully for them for week 18, then I'm not I'm not nearly as concerned because I do think there is potential for the defense to keep playing better and better. And it really has lately, especially this week. It will going up against this rotation. I mean, that sounded like a threat when (laughs) it didn't sound like a promise. It sounded like a threat when he's like, well, we're starting Cam, but we're bringing in Darnold. It's like, what are you trying to make them prepare for more? It's like. Good luck with that. He, I, <laughs> I think the vibe, I don't know if you guys have picked up on this because he kind of was, Rule was talking about the uh, the two-minute drill a lot with Cam, and that's why you, you were seeing uh, the dude. Um, P.J. Walker, who he also PJ said Walker. was going to play last week, and he never did. So right, who, who and it's, it seems like Rule is probably at a place where he knows Cam is not a guy that can run his offense, and he's just looking for anybody else that can step in and do it. And maybe it's Darnold because – Maybe Matt Rule thinks, oh, I remember those first three weeks of the season where he was proficient. Maybe he comes back. And well, they owe him $18 million next year, too. Yeah, Cam that Newton factors in, too. Very unlikely to be on that team. I don't know for sure if Matt Rule is going to be coaching that team, but 
it, it's at least possible that Sam Darnold is is there with him next year. The, the Panthers, by the way, have a couple of their offensive linemen on the COVID list too, and that was already one of the worst offensive lines I've ever seen. So Indomitian Sue and all those guys should just that's why Tampa wins this game. Like maybe it's like they should be fine this eighteen to six or something. But the the Carolina offense is um, a absolute broken down mess. All right, hey everybody, holding on hope that Chuba Hubbard's going to be the answer at running back for your fantasy team. Cut bait. Go get Rojo (laughs) if you could find him. Let's move on after this break. All right, the draft now. Heads over to the Zusa, and I will take a big AFC North battle, Baltimore Ravens at Cincinnati Bengals. Great value here. Uh, Great value. Thank you very much. I am uh, very curious to see. Well, first of all, we don't know as of this taping what Lamar Jackson's situation is. He is still not practicing. I don't know. Did he practice Thursday? He didn't practice Mm-mm. Thursday, and Tyler Huntley did the media responsibilities. Lamar did not. So at this point, it's trending Huntley. Yeah, and you know what's interesting is like if you've been watching the Ravens uh, the last six weeks or so, I know Lamar Jackson is a superior overall player to Huntley, but Huntley, in addition to being able to do some things with his legs, he's taking care of the business when it comes to checkdowns and just making the throws that he needs to make. So while it's, yes, obviously it is a it is a downgrade. Huntley has not made the Ravens a bad offense. In fact, as you saw at the very end of that game against Green Bay, they could be quite dangerous uh, in the right circumstance. So I think Cincinnati, even if they don't have to face Lamar, is really going to be up against it here, potentially, uh, just because they are such an inconsistent team. And if they think that they could take anybody for granted, and I'm not saying they are, uh, they, will, they have another thing coming because they've had several losses this year where it's like, okay, this is setting up well for Cincinnati. And then bang, you get the James Brown update and it's 17 to three at the end of the second quarter. So let's see where the Bengals are as a team. Let's see if they have some onions to hang here and say we are we're the team that wants to win this division. Because if I had to guess, one of these two teams will win the North and this game really might determine it. I mean, I look at the 41 to 17 destruction and butt whipping they laid on Baltimore back in, what was it, week seven or something. And I, I do wonder why why can't that unfold again? I mean, they were able to work over Baltimore's offensive line. They had a season-high 23 pressures on Lamar. So whether it's Lamar or Huntley, I kind of just like the way Baltimore, mat- or that the Cincinnati matches up with the Ravens. I do. And I, I think that, you know, we saw Baltimore a week ago. Um, they put like two or three guys on Devontae Adams over and over. And they asked Wink Martindale, um, if he would treat Jamar Chase this way. And I thought his quote was pretty hilarious. He said, uh, Adams is one of the top two receivers in the league, and he's not, no, he's not number two. Aaron Rodgers is a Hall of Fame QB, and I don't think we're ready to buy a gold jacket for Joe Burrow just yet. Ooh. That said, Joe Burrow <laughs> is the difference maker in this. And I think if you get the best version of Joe Burrow, and they've got more weapons than Baltimore could ever imagine on their side of the ball right now, I like the Cincinnati Bengals in this game. Well, you, yeah, you better win this game if you're the Bengals. Now, it's the first time they've been in these sorts of spots. Joe Burrow, Zach Taylor, this group, late December, division game, a very hobbled, you know, decrepit Ravens roster right now. Oh. They, they, they just added more COVID 
players to the list and most of them were depth players but it was like the depth upon depth like the guys like Geno Stone who was like a safety that couldn't ever play for them is suddenly out there one of those two guys guarding Devontae Adams at cornerback like playing out of position he didn't even used to play now he's playing and he's playing out of position these guys are now getting COVID and so they're going to like whoever they can find after that there's no reason for the Bengals to lose this game and yet I don't know like it's 20 you asked like why would the Bengals lose now when they won 41 to 17 because it's 2021 and because these are the Ravens that there is something special here Harbaugh's come up short at with these decisions that haven't worked out for him but man I think he's coaching uh the hell out of this team and and I could I could see them winning this game I picked them to win this game even with Huntley and it's just like a a, a belief in the mystical you know a belief in like something bigger than, than it is, just there lining is up like the a, players I, that's it I'm, that's all that's going on I'm with Mark in that like the Bengals should take care of business but is unanalytical as this is you know exactly what I'm talking about when I say but these are the Ravens and those are the Bengals and exactly it is the end of December and the division is in play like whose chances are better to come come up big in this spot I just think I just think it's Baltimore well and they, I mean <sighs> to your point they have lost you know they're, they're on a three game skid three games by four points total that's never happened um in the in the history of the NFL this Ravens team is the first to, I guess, accomplish that. I'm not sure accomplishes the word, but they are hanging around in games. And, and you are right about one thing, because I think the Browns fan of me sees this too, that yes, on paper, the Bengals logically should take care of business. They do match up well with them, but the Bengals as a franchise and the energy around the Cincinnati Bengals, I don't know if I trust them to do this because none of the players on this roster have been in this situation. The coach has not. Uh, I mean, so it is a good matchup for them, and anyone should be beating Baltimore right now. And Baltimore just is too resilient. They'll be there at the end. Joe Burrow does change it. That's the one thing. Is like I I really have been impressed. Last week he won with his legs. It was a tough situation where I think the defensive coordinator, Fangio, got the best of him for a couple quarters, and then he adjusted and he moved well. He's eighth in the NFL in rushing value, according to EPA. So that, that ACL is like a distant memory. He should be the difference. I understand why Cincinnati believes in the boy, their boy. Let's um before we throw to this wrestling lock. Ooh. This Ooh. feels like I don't know have any knowledge of it other than this is the game. This feels like a Nick Nick wrestling situation where he wants to grab the reins if Cincinnati's involved. And I could I I predict fire and brimstone against Cincinnati locking up the Ravens. Where do you think they come down? I think it really depends the, on the wrestling brother. I think the Bengals fans um that exist in most of them, I know there's some, they're a little cynical about the Bengals too, that they see this as the moment that Cincinnati finally does something nice for the city of Cincinnati. I'm oh, going yeah. Bengals. If, if they but pick kind the of... Ravens here, they're no longer allowed to even get a segment every week. I'm just ending it there. We should be a little dark. It yeah. It'd be ridiculous. It kind of depends on, it does really depend on which <laughs> Wesling brother is on this message. That's so let's, uh, uh, Grave Digger, hit it. Hello, heroes. Phil again this week. Happy holidays to everyone uh-huh. at ATN and all the listeners out there. At first, I was thinking Patriots over Bills, but then Joe Burrow comes out and says that Cincinnati has no nightlife, so they will be healthy and well-rested. They took care of business in Baltimore, and Nick thinks they're going to win big again this week, giving the city of Cincinnati a huge Christmas gift and the inside track on a playoff berth. Lock it up, baby. I love it. Mm. You know, 
that and that surprised me. I thought maybe Nick wouldn't be as bullish because Cincinnati didn't look so hot in Denver. But uh, you know what? Let's do it. I, I think we're all kind of Bengals fans a little bit. Well, I guess certain certain factions of the podcast can't really be as much, but uh, with the Westlings attached to it. Uh, so I would like to see it. So let's give Cincinnati the Christmas gift they deserve. My one Mark concern, needs that take to work out, you know? He's well, still rooting for is, that take. No, that take from, you know, half a month ago at this point has been shredded. But uh, I, I, I would just say to the Westling brothers, because I fall for this all the time, perhaps even in this, in this show I have, um, when you start to operate locks from the heart, um, you you get you get banged a bunch there. It doesn't always work out. Ah! Um, that maybe spun the whole thing in Baltimore's way for me. <laughs> um, and you should know that the Westlings, I believe, are eight and seven in the lock competition, and they know they probably have to win out here uh, to uh, oh, take the done. title. You're so done. this is a big big week for the Westlings. Let's uh, move on, Greg. It heads to you, buddy. Wow, you've really left me. Like no one wants these late games, period. <laughs> they're just sitting there. They're just sitting hanging there. like a runny nose. Well, you got to. I'm not doing two late games, so you. Let's I don't have. Right. I don't. I don't have to do anything. Uh, for now, I'm just gonna take the old uh, Chargers Texans early. Uh, just watch Justin Herbert play football. There, there's a COVID situation going on with. The Chargers, Bo- Bosa's out, Eckler's out, Guyton's out. Like a lot of times with these, with the COVID, it's like, all right, quality matters and quantity matters. Like when you lose just 15, you're in trouble no matter what. When you lose two of your best players uh, in Eckler and Bosa, on top of Derwin James still isn't practicing, that's a little bit concerning. You should be thankful, I guess, that this is the week they're all out because you should still be able to win in Houston and bank a victory that, that they need. Like they can't just count on winning this wild card spot. Now uh, they, they need to win two of their next three games and they should get in and they, they better do this one. They are lucky uh, that the Texans will be out without Brandon cooks and Kaimi Fairbairn and a host of other players too. Cooks and Fairbairn are the two best Texans. Fairbairn is on a heater that not enough of America is talking about right yeah, now. Yeah, Greg and I were, uh, you know, co-watching Fairbairn torch the enemy a week ago. I mean, he was it's money like, in the bank. Oh, you so. want to hit sixty in the rain? Okay, let's do it. How about fifty-five? Like, let's just go. Fairbairn's been getting it done. I respect that. I respect the hell out of a guy named Kaimi Fairbairn uh, doing such masculine work in the National Football League. Put him in the Kicker Club, give him a booth, bottle service, send the ladies over, Mark, that were uh, Jay Glazer sent our way at that Super Bowl party of yesteryear. Right. Just to be clear, they were bartenders. That That's that's where it started and ended. You kind of left that. <laughs> that's important. Like, I'm glad okay. that you clarified uh, that. Yeah, that, that, this is another... I don't know why I, don't know. I drafted this game. That was a panic. That was a panic decision. I just literally <laughs> didn't want either of the late games. But I'm gonna well, you get to watch one. Herbert, so that's fine. And uh, I thought that was a tough loss for the Chargers, obviously, on Thursday night against Kansas City uh, because, really, you, you watch that game and you watch how it unfolded. They really had no business losing it. And imagine how different their season looks if they had found a way to win that game and then get the Texans. So all they could do now is is stack wins, take advantage of your your luck here. Do not let Austin Davis get hot on you as he's done against a few teams this year uh, and get to nine and six and really set yourself up well um, to win that wild card spot. I, I don't think, what else is there to say about this game? Like if anybody has anything, we'll Nothing. surely throw it in now. What's for John? 
Let's forge on Greg snakes to you. All right. I guess I, I will take a late game. I'll take bears Seahawks. I just, I'm, I'm sick of Thank watching you. the Broncos live. I, I know that game matters more, but I'm just, I've watched so many Broncos games live and I'm always wrong about them. And the Raiders are, are not exactly enjoyable. So I know that game actually matters for the outskirts, but I don't believe in either of those teams. I will be more entertained by watching Justin Fields versus Russell Wilson. I think there's some similarities here. Fields holds the ball forever. Uh, he's a physical guy. He's obviously a better runner than Wilson, uh, but I think they are both really good throwing the ball down the field. They both, you know, Wilson never turned into a guy who's like a good short um, area like quick timing thrower and I think that's a question about fields but the thing about fields it's different to me than than Lawrence and Wilson this year is I, I do think you see the plays every single game the really high quality throws that is mixed in with a lot you know like plenty of bad that gets you excited for what he's going to look like with a different coaching staff. And so this is kind of a dead game. It's weird to have the Seahawks having a dead game here, but it feels like uh, maybe it's a spot. They're six and a half point underdogs. I, I like the bears to cover that. I, I wouldn't, I think it's a spot the bears maybe go have a nice rookie moment for Justin Fields. He has a nice big game against the dead Seahawks team that has nothing to play for. I'm with you. I could see Chicago winning this. And I, you know, I know it's sort of an unpopular opinion, um, because we're done with Matt Nagy and the whole thing. But I, I thought that they played really hard for him and in general for themselves against the Vikings. I mean, they, I think for that offense, you know, they had meltdowns. I think it was three straight drives that ended in downs inside the 21-yard line of the Vikings, one at the 9 and one at the 14-2. I mean, that that was sort of the difference in that game a little bit, along with some big mistakes by the Bears. But I'm with you that when this house is cleared, Justin Fields, um, the, the moments that we've seen from him make this an attractive landing spot to some degree for whoever comes next. And um, I should add, because I it was the first thing I texted to you guys after we did the um, that bizarre Tuesday night recap, uh, that the Seattle Seahawks, you know, very tough loss against the Rams, ended their season. They had a second-half lead. There was a, pe- a pass interference uh play that uh, a pass downfield that led to a turnover that should have been called. I understand that and understand the frustration. Uh, I, I understand if you're a little annoyed that we didn't bring it up, but at the same time, let's, let's be honest that this has been a bad year for Seattle. This was a team that did not have uh, the real bona fides of a true playoff contender anyway. So they are just playing out the strings and I go to Tankathon here. First time uh, ever. I mean, this this is uncharted territory yeah, this is, for Russell this Wilson. Is, to be completely out of the mix before Christmas it has never happened with Russell Wilson. But they're five and nine here right now. It's as I track this for New York Jets purposes, uh, eighth overall pick. Why not just go in the tank, fully Seattle? And and yeah. I don't need I don't need you don't need to win. Like who cares? So just go in the tank. Go five and twelve and. Uh, and then do the business you need to do in the offseason because if there's going to be house cleaning in Chicago, there could be house cleaning in Seattle as well. Both franchises, a lot cooking behind the scenes. Bad right vibes now. in Seattle. Bad, they're a bad vibe team. Bad vibes. But we always talk about how you know it's going to come down to Wilson or Pete Carroll. One of them's going. But have we heard any real nuggets at all that Carroll could no. be out It's coming. It, no it, one knows maybe. anything. Maybe no or one. maybe not, though. I just, no, I mean, I, the well, nuggets are coming soon. Well, there I was when, the, <laughs> when Russell Wilson played the Giants, there was a 
Ciara is very interested in New York stuff again. That part is real. You know, the, 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 I don't know if it was the Giants reporters or Russell Wilson's people. We're definitely trying to, to stoke that a little bit. Okay. Let's move uh, to the back end of this draft. I will grab, man, what a draft for Tugboat. Just look at this. So we got Rams Vikings two overall. Then we go and get Baltimore Cincinnati at five. I mean, great playoff games essentially. And then you get, okay, it's no, it's not an incredible game, but it has huge stakes for both teams. Denver at Vegas with the penultimate pick of the draft. Oh yeah. What, what, what huge stakes? Who's going to have the 17th draft pick and who's going to have the 15th or 19th? Greg, don't I'm... rattle the narrative, Dan. I think you've done um, incredible work here. You know, I know they like to grade drafts like back in USA right. today when I'd read that, like they graded the day after your draft gets an A. If you Thank if you, you so have much, six Mark. minute drives that end Thank in you for long field that. goal attempts, Raiders Broncos. Um, look at you turning your back on the Broncos. That's tragic. Well, there's uh, a but, mercenary. For that, yeah, <laughs> but you are a mercenary, Greg. Uh, yes, I don't like the Broncos as a team. That's exciting, and I think the Raiders are cooked, as I've said multiple times over the past two weeks. But it is essentially a playoff game for these two teams in that. The loser is absolutely, I don't know if they're eliminated mathematically, but you could say goodbye. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater, I believe, has already been ruled out. Yes. Uh, he suffered that scary head injury, and they are rightly, uh, you know, I don't know how Bridgewater is physically right now, but whenever you suffer a brain injury that makes you uh, go in a hospital that leads to you staying uh, in a hospital room the night you should not be playing football the next week and I think we've advanced enough uh, uh, to understand these things so Bridgewater's out Drew Locke who stinks is in and uh, we'll see if the Raiders um, how they thank the football gods for one of the all-time gifts of a victory against the Browns where they needed every ounce of fortuity to go their way between COVID and the, you know, the timing of the game and having the, uh, a kicker uh, that has ice water in his veins, Daniel Carlson, another underrated kicker. Uh, so Raiders at home should win, but I think both these teams ultimately are also runs. Well, the Drew Locke thing, I think it's so, it's so such a stroke of good luck for, for the Raiders. I mean, who, you know, weeks, some of these teams are just surviving above water because of these scattered matchups that they get. And this is another example of that. It's not COVID related, but Drew Locke has looked like he's regressed. He looked terrible. And the Raiders, um, look at, they, I mean, they, they barely got out of their own way in that Browns game. Some killer penalties. They're undisciplined. They look like a bad football team to me. And we're still dealing with them for a couple more weeks. Right. Raiders, Raiders fans don't want to hear about getting good luck either because it's like their whole secondary is gone at this point. Even their replacements like Faison went on the COVID list. They're well, they're going to hear it because that was incredible. Right. No, no. They were. I just mean, especially Browns. this week, like getting locked. Like, no, Darren Waller has just crushed this offense. Yeah. I, I picked the Broncos to win this game. I was very surprised, even with Locke, just because I think the only good thing in this game is the Broncos defense, which the, the defense we were promised coming into the season in terms of their their coverage and playing cohesively, and they ha they do have a little bit of a pass rush now, I think has shown up in the last month or so. It, it just feels like the only 
side of football in either on either of these teams that's any good right now. So I could see them winning. Then again, Drew Locke um, is one of 54 uh, players to qualify for PFF, like with at least 30 or 40 dropbacks, and he is ranked 54th. Um, and it's not close. Like he's way so, behind 53 because he's played like 50 snaps and he has like six turnover worthy plays. So he's basically been a total mess. It's a good answer <laughs> to a trivia question, at least by that metric. Who is the worst quarterback in the entire NFL? By that measure, it's Drew Locke. So that's the guy starting for uh, Denver. For the, I guess for yeah, the my, favored Denver Broncos on the road. I yeah, I was going to say my last to thought on it is the Broncos have told us who they are this season multiple times. They have a head coach and Vic Fangio and a d- defensive scheme that can cook up the opponent. And certainly the Raiders at this stage of the season without Darren Waller uh, can be cooked up. So I expect that. But their offense is so bad that it keeps them earthbound. So this, this has got... Mm, 1610 written all over it. I, I am totally happy with Fields versus Russ uh, in the late window. I don't care that it doesn't matter. I just, you know what? After watching the Bears on Monday night, you couldn't. Well, you literally have to pay me to watch it. <laughs> NFL yeah. will be paying me to watch that on Monday to write the power rankings, and that's the only way it's happening. It's not for the love of the game in this case. Mark, close <laughs> it out. <laughs> All right. Um, I mean, talk about games that I need to be, you know, funded generously to observe. Uh, I'm going to go Lions <laughs> at Falcons. Uh, we don't even know. We may not be getting Jared Goff for Detroit because um, of COVID. I mean, this is just uh, enough with this business. So that could be Tim Boyle. I don't know what their issue is with David Blau, my guy. They seem to deactivate him every week. Blau and not hearts be are very in... upset about this. Well, the newsletter, I got to be honest, that newsletter, we've lost some valuable readers because they don't believe and so i know the lions don't seem to believe that's a big problem when you're writing a newsletter about a player is that official though they kind of um (laughs) they kind of let it make you know made it made the opponent you know prepare for both boyle and blau i don't think they were saying here's the problem with the the blau hard newsletter unfortunately and mark no one needs to tell you this because you're the editor-in-chief is that like two good drives on not even the most recent Thanksgiving, the Thanksgiving before that, like how far does that really take you? He does need, you got to give him the platform to be able to make enough plays to justify the existence of the newsletter. Counterpoint. Like every major religion is based on someone from the deep past who did a lot of flashy things. And we still uh, remember and think about today. So I think David Blau fits more into sort of a messianic, um, someone who provides hope on I a I was going to say I, that I thought you might be with Christmas right around the corner making a Christ parallel to David Blau, and there it is with the messianic comment. Yes, okay. Um, I, I feel like maybe uh, if, you, if you check out perhaps, I don't know, the New Testament, Jesus had a little bit more of a track record uh, than David Blau did in that quarter against uh, the Bears, but you, you can make the case, I guess. I'm just saying that there is, there is a, a faint parallel um, and that's why I think so many people have subscribed to this newsletter. If he were, if he were to play against this Falcons defense, um, if that ever were to happen, I mean, it is essentially like coming back to earth from the heavens um, Ooh, to some degree. Like I, this. I, I just want to watch the Lions, though, because they still make me, they're enjoyable to me. And that's like kind of what you need in these weeks 16, 17, 18 business. It's like they're the, they're the worst record around. <laughs> And I enjoy watching them. You've performed, so, you, you performed a valuable service this year, Mark, because every week you pick the Lions and every week you say the same thing about the Lions. Uh, and we thank you for it. I mean, I do think it sounds like they may be getting DeAndre Swift back. Uh, Great. That they helps. do make players better. That's like a good sign of a good coaching staff. Charles Harris was a first-round pick of the 
Dolphins and is stunk in a couple spots. Suddenly good there. Craig Reynolds comes off the the mat. I I'm hesitant. I'm not. The yeah, the the you know it can't rain in the uh, in whatever they're calling the Mercedes Benz Dome down there in Atlanta. But the Falcons are favored by six six and a half in this game. Oh, if I, I'm not I'm not going there because I don't like getting stuck in these. The lines are going to move and the quarterbacks may change. But if that sticks and especially if Goff comes back, I like the Lions in this game. I mean, I definitely like them to cover. Oh, what the heck, Graver? Let's go, let's go, Lions. Whatever the line ends up being at. A little worried about Tim Boyle in in my life, though. I would like to know who's playing quarterback, but and uh, you know on. this is uh, this is uh, this is off brand. This isn't uh, part of the Greg Empire Rainmaker Empire, but uh, the Zeus up there in the mountain, he's going to throw down a lightning bolt uh, to you fantasy heads and say, "Guess what? That Kyle Pitts second touchdown of the year. It's coming this week. Ooh. Hit it." No, I don't have anything. But <laughs> Kyle Pitts scores the second touchdown of the year. And uh, fantasy heads like me that have uh, kept the faith will be rewarded in their semifinal. He was half matchup. a yard short. I don't know if you saw that last week. Yeah, I scored, saw it. Scoring I saw it, Greg. I'm sad. I'm We've sad. all we all saw it. All the all the uh, pit stains out there. We all we all <laughs> That's saw the it. name of the group. That's great. That's good. <laughs> all right, let's take a break. That's a terrible. <laughs> that's a terrible. Uh, it's name such for a that bad movement. name. Hey, us, you know, all the pit stains out there, we uh, we have kept the faith and uh, we'll see what happens in week 16. Let's take a break and then hit the uh, leftovers. All right. Welcome back. Let's hit the, the t- you know, you could argue that the two worst teams in the in the league, uh, although the Jaguars probably earned the title, the, the New York football team. So let's get those games out of the way. They happen to one of them is playing the Jaguars. So. Buckle up. I can't I can't imagine there's gonna be more than forty-seven people at MetLife Stadium for Jaguars at Jets uh the day after Christmas in the middle of a surging global pandemic. I have a feeling a lot of uh New Yorkers and northern New Jersey residents are gonna say, nah, we good. We're gonna we're good on this one, guys. So you have Jets, uh J- hell, you know what? No, that's disrespectful to the Eagles. I was gonna hmm. I was gonna put them together the two games but that's not right but uh any thoughts on jaguars at jets they can't be too many well the jets have i think 17 players put on the covid list this week they are the team that and their head coach this was a tough and their head coach this was a tough one yeah because you gotta i gotta pick each one of these games tough one because i at this point i have had a, a policy this year which has served me well which is never pick the jaguars in any scenario you know, you go 13 and two doing that. The Texans swept them. Their offense is so bad that I, I do think the Jets coaching staff and just somehow will find a way to win this game. But then you see that 15 to 17 Jets are on the COVID list and it's, it's tough. You take away 15 players from the Jets. It's not a great NFL team. Anyway, the Jets can catch the Jaguars for the number one pick. Cause oh, I, yeah. I don't care. I, I not will only absolutely that, they, root for Jacksonville. Those are they stakes. could. They could do it this week. I was looking at it with the strength of schedule. Let's go, baby. If the Lions go win another ball game, very doable. Um, it could happen. It could absolutely happen. You need to get a little help, but the strength of schedule is going to improve because you're about to play the Jaguars. All right. There you go. That's something to look out for. And that's a pick em, by the way, in the desert. Uh, the Giants at the Jeez. Giants at the Eagles. Uh, Philly took care of business. Uh, against a COVID decimated Washington football team. And now their reward is what should be, Mark, a, a total layup against Giants team. It's already gone home for the winter that has 
um, a quarterback situation. Daniel Jones done for the year. IR Mike Lennon, absolutely miserable. I mean, good for the guy. He's set for life financially if he's made the right decisions, uh, but he cannot play and doesn't need to be in the league as a backup too much longer. And then you have Jake from State Farm. Uh, this feels like a 24 to three game. It should be. Uh, the Eagles are without Nick Sirianni, who tested positive for COVID. I mean, another coach not able to be on the field. Uh, they have a passing game coordinator named Kevin Petulio, who will be taking hey. over. Um, I, I guess we don't we don't know how that seems to impact these teams because I, I I'd have to check the record, but it's I think teams are like five and one or something when the head coach has not been mm, there. Hot take: I, coaches don't matter. Well, Forget I mean, running I don't, backs don't matter. Take. Coaches, I like it. But it's just it just it's inch, it's not it's not a great look for them in general. You'd they, they'd probably the, the crew of them would probably much rather they be you know winless in that situation. Um, I'm with you. The Giants are just depressing. I. <laughs> It's it's a hot mess and it feels like the end of another end of a regime there. I don't know what the argument is for for Joe Judge at this point because look at across the way it, by week three or four the Eagles were a radioactive um, AM talk radio disaster. People couldn't stand what was going on. And I think Sirianni's done a really good job. What's your argument if you're Joe Judge? I know there's been injuries, but you're two years in and there's no identity to this team on any level. No, there's no argument and. Uh... Gonzo made a good point with the Eagles that it's true that the schedule is broken their way with the, but that's what the NFC East is about. You're going to have some good schedules and they've, they really have taken advantage and they do have a good offense. Like I know it's not just about the opponents. They are fourth in expected points added since week eight, their offense. And it's mostly the running game, but like Miles Sanders being back and looking hundred percent makes a difference. He had been not great and then gone for a while. He looks good. We've talked about Devontae Smith a lot, and Goddard is playing great. They, Jake Fromm starting a football game here in Week 16. That's uh, that's probably what we're getting. I mean, the only thing Jake I'd Fromm. say though is that Jake I Fromm. Know, this game was a weird one, obviously for Philly, but it's the one game where they did not surge on offense. They lost that that's game. They lost 13, 13 to, seven, to seven. They right? turned it over four four times. But that's not going to happen again with the turnovers. I mean, I would just assume it wouldn't. Feels a little fluky. Yeah, the the Eagles is Gonzo mentioned have issues with the Giants at times but this just feels different um so Eagles feel like they're in a great spot to go into the last two weeks with a real shot at the playoffs um all right there you go that is the totality of week 16 uh by the way again Thursday night football Niners against the Titans with Gravedigger on the mic with Mark Sessler and Greg I believe you had some you had a vested interest in that game well, that's right. I uh, I'm locking up this 49ers team before we get out of here. We're no lockstep. That was very close to my lock as well, Greg. Uh, and that would have been three weeks in a row. We had the same lock. But um, uh, thought about the Rams. Gravers yeah. looking at me sideways. This they're yeah. I know they're AJ Brown's back and Julio's out there, but they have not protected all year. These are these are two uh, bully type teams, Graver. And I think uh, it's a bully getting bullied down in Nashville. <laughs> uh, no Taylor Luan, no Saffold, right? That's correct. And the backup left tackle, Kendall Lamb, also announced on Perfect. Instagram this morning that he has COVID, so he will not be playing. Maybe we'll see so Titans second-round pick Dylan Radins for the first time this year. Well, it is good. a TNF road game across the country. It's like that's you know, why. It's, Greg. And, and the Titans are feisty. The Titans are feisty. They dominated Pittsburgh last week. I was surprised they lost that game, but I just think the 49ers are good. The 49ers are good. The Titans not good. You know, I I locked the Titan uh, the Niners and lost a couple of weeks ago. 
on the same logic uh, against Seattle. And now you have a similar situation here where they're facing a team in a little bit of a desperate situation. Uh, Thursday night games are super weird, a really tough lock in general. I, I, thought, about the, I thought about the Rams, but yeah. I, I trust That will be interesting. Rams. But uh, make sure to check out that recap. And, and on that note, uh, I did promise a, uh, a surprise uh, to you boys oh, yeah. and all the listeners. Uh, this is big. As you know, we've been play- all season. We've been um, celebrating the greatness of the artist Priyanka, who um, back in the year 2013 delivered a anthem for the ages in my city. Unfortunately, uh, pockmarks all over the production in the form of Will I Am, who slathered his black eyed peas. Ka, 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 come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. All over the song to the point where the beauty of the song was lost. And, and Mark, to me, that felt like something that needed to be addressed. Yeah, you've been on the case. Um, the Will I Am thing, I don't know if it's gotten back to Will I Am, but uh, it is, you, I think that, you know, anyone with a logical um, approach to music or an aesthetic approach would have to agree with your take. And we need a different version of this song, I think at some point, a pure one. Get closer to purity. Mm. It, it really has been an itch that needs to, you know, for a lot of people that needs to be scratched. So many people walking around daily thinking, when will they fix the Priyanka song? Finally, it's here. Most of the population, I think, is probably has that on their mind. <laughs> and into the room walked Preston Smith, the daughter of Matt Money Smith. Got your own town And I know you got your own ways I know you got your own life I'm just saying come on down to my place So come on and make some new friends Tell me what you're drinking I know there's no place like home But I know you're gonna like it Incredible. Put some heart into it. Stunning. That is, yes, Preston Smith, not the dynamic Beautiful. pass rusher of the Packers, uh, the daughter of Matt Money Smith, a talented young singer-songwriter. You could follow her on Instagram at P-R-E-S-T-Y-N-S-M-I-T-H. Music, Preston Smith. I mean, that there it is. There, That's the stripped-down version of one of the great songs ever written, delivered in a way that Will I Am can never touch. She's done it. She's done it was beautiful. Remarkable. It had a lot of like heart to it. It almost reminds me of like Hallelujah, that that Leonard Cohen song. Like at this point, people don't really think of it as a Leonard Cohen song. It's just something that gets sung in in important situations, weddings, funerals, whatever. And a million great artists have redone the song because the song is so sturdy. I think Preston Smith might kickstart a similar revolution. So this is the in my city to extend that a little further. This is the Jeff Buckley version exactly. of in my city. Exactly. I like that. 
Well, in a song that's been suppressed, I think that most people in America would agree that this is close to being an American anthem um, in so many ways. And now it's been, you know, it it's was been, beautiful. We filled up the gas tank. We're back. It was All beautiful. Right. Good stuff. Thank you to Preston for the hard work. Thanks for money for helping to make it happen. Money. He's the uh, producer on that track. And guess what? He didn't slather any uh, production all over it. He just let the talent shine through. Uh, we thank the entire uh, Money family. Uh, all right. Now, tomorrow is Christmas Eve. We have uh, a television show. I mean, this is the time slot we've always wanted. Uh, NFL Network, Christmas morning, 4 a.m. Santa's coming down the chimney. Seven on the East Coast. Yep. You know those East Coast Seven waking up. The kids might want to be opening their presents or... They might want to go straight to the couch, get settled in with a little hot chocolate and a blanket and watch two hours of the Around the NFL broadcast, then open their gifts. That's in play, potentially, for some well, actually, It's the one thing that probably is more enticing to children everywhere than actually opening gifts. And I know that we're not, in general, not supposed to see Santa, you know, let him do his thing and, you know, be in your room. But that's not how it works this time. He, well, there's going to be a lot of Santa encounters uh, early morning West Coast. Have we thought about this? Have we thought about a scenario? Santa's on a tight deadline. We've all been there as uh, writers. There's a deadline to hit. He's delivering presents. Someone leaves their television on at 4 a.m. on the East Coast. Hot damn, it's around the NFL broadcast. And Santa, totally transfixed by our program, pops down at the couch with those cookies, uh, falls behind on his deliveries, and a calamity ensues. So we got to be careful. Don't leave the televisions on in case Santa's a big NFL fan. I think you're saying like uh, our job is to not be too interesting on the show itself. That's the other way to go. And that yeah, it should Don't be our biggest him. our biggest show because that was that was always a morning you know I can't, you can't sleep you're excited about getting the gifts I would get up at like four or five see what's in the stocking and then you you go to the couch what's on like infomercials at four thirty a.m. usually not anymore not anymore it's all changed <laughs> we covered that base all right so check out the around the NFL broadcast uh, on Saturday Christmas. And yes, Merry Christmas to everyone uh, listening who celebrates and uh, happy holidays to everyone. Uh, enjoy your time with your family or your time off from work or just, uh, you know, enjoy listening to the show and watching our programs and hopefully stay healthy and stay well. Uh, we will be back Sunday night with the recap of all the games we just previewed. Uh, and Gravedigger, I think the only way to say goodbye uh, today is to give Preston Smith the floor one more time with her cover, uh, her version of Hallelujah, her Jeff Buckley moment, Preston Smith with In My City. Uh, heed the call, everybody. And I know you got your own town. And I know you got your own ways. I you got your own life. I'm just saying, come on down to my place. So come on and make some new friends. Tell me what you're drinking. I know there's no place like home, but I know you're gonna like it in my city. Everybody's welcome here. Everybody, welcome to my city. Come on.